Mobile Suit Gundam Wing, or New Mobile Report Gundam Wing, or Gundam Wing, or whatever the heck this thing is called. Uh, the 49 episode 6th incarnation of the Mecha Gundam franchise was first released on April 7th, 1995, ran through March 29th, 1996, in Japan on the TV Aishi Network, or Asahi Network. Whoops. But who cares about that? More importantly, it was released on Toonami on March 6th in the year 2000 and ran to March 11th. May 11th. And really, this series is comparable or related to Dragon Ball Z in a very minute but notable way in that, like DBZ, its uh, release on Toonami was really influential in a lot of um, necessarily not necessarily old Takus, but, uh, you know, the second wave of anime fandom in the anime generation of uh, the early 2000s. I mean, obviously, everyone knows... Everyone that's my age knows that Toonami was a big influence on anime fans back then. I, myself, was in fifth grade when it came out, and it's interesting because it's... It, at the start of it, it doesn't really seem like my kind of show. Um, the kind of I'm not really a big mech guy, although I, you know... Robotech is my jam, so... Huh. I think it just looked really cool. Um, and as I'll say later on, the promos for the series that ran on Toonami were really uh, instrumental in making this uh, the big success that it was. Because back when this first aired, this was gigantic on Toonami. Easily comparable to Dragon Ball Z for a time, even though it aired uh, for a lot less of a time because there's many few episodes. Um... But Gundam Way, it really is, I would say, that uh, same level tier of Dragon Ball Z in terms of, like, you know, in the Pokemon era, you know, for the brief Digimon era, that whatever that was, you know, later on there would be Yu-Gi-Oh! and Mega Man Battle Network and stuff like that, which I guess is a lot less, uh, not necessarily the same tone, but the Toonami era shows uh, that really helped establish the onslaught of... Uh, the new generation of anime popularity. Um, I think this is this is incontrovertible for being uh, really uh, instrumental in that. And it's funny because I've not seen this show in about 15 or 16 years. I watched it, I won't say religiously, but I was a big fan of it when it came out. I was a huge fan. My brother and I were really into it. Just as much as DBZ, we, we looked up stuff online. Um, we watched both the edited, dubbed version on Toonami and stayed up late for the... Um, uncut version uh, at midnight which I believe was a type of uh, predecessor towards the Adult Swim line on Cartoon Network um, but it was big it was it was big and it was fun and the toys were awesome well I guess some of the toys were awesome depending on which ones you got and um, it was just one of those shows where if you were there it was that was it was that show it was it was just enormous but I've not seen it since <laughs> so um on a whim, I decided to say, eh, you know, um, I get my car worked on. I'm not doing anything right now. I kind of want to watch a show. I'm not seeing Gundam Wing in, a, in about a decade and a half. So let me see how that holds up. So I started watching Gundam Wing again uh, last week. And um, it was a very, very interesting process. Um, in fact, it's a very unique and surreal process because I was watching something that I had strong memories of, but it had been enough time. And obviously, the last time I saw it, I was, you know, I was a kid. So my memories and my reconciliation with the series compared and contrast in very interesting ways. There were a lot of times where I was 
where certain scenes just jumped out at me. Oh man, I remember that. I remember that exact line. Um, but for the most part, it, this was almost a, an entirely new viewing experience. Uh, so in the midst of this viewing experience, I thought it'd be interesting for me to record my thoughts in somewhat of a summarized review of the show. Um, because I think that, you know, again, like, because I mentioned how It and Dragon Ball Z were, like, you know, the kings of anime back when they were both on. Um, so I think that, like, a lot of people who enjoyed the next mention of Dragon Ball Z podcast, with me and Jesse Garrett, um, might find this episode interesting as well. Uh, I, I don't know, I don't know really anybody besides one man who, uh, was a big fan of Gundam Wing, but, you know, in terms of, like, you know, online community, but I'm sure they're out there who listen to this. And, uh, you know, if, if nothing else, this might be a fun uh, one-off, uh, you know, in between uh, previous content and forthcoming content, whenever they may, that may be. Um, this is totally off the cuff. I have notes, but this is not scripted, so hopefully I'll edit this if it sounds awful. But, um, yeah, let's dive right into Mobile Suit Gundam Wing. I mentioned already that the promos in Toonami really helped uh, gin up excitement for the, the series airing, um, and it did. Uh, a lot of those promos you can find on YouTube now. Um, for those of you who just weren't there, you really should t- check some of those out, especially if you've gotten to shows like DBZ Sense or like Sailor Moon, although I don't remember seeing too much of the Sailor Moon stuff. I think I kind of fell out of that by the time it aired on Toonami. But the Gundam Wing ones were amazing. Um, the promo before the series began was like two minutes, which is pretty long considering a uh, promo commercial for a cartoon on Cartoon Network, if you keep that in mind. Um, it was one of those Peter Cullen-voiced intros that really, really <laughs> made things... And, and it was a combination of his voice and the clips that were kind of taken out of context. Uh, I think at one point, uh, Noventa's voice is dubbed with another guy saying a different opinion, but never mind. Um, but it really garnered up uh, interest in that, like... It established, you know, the war between the Earth Sphere Alliance and the colonies as really being savage. It was really, really. It, they kind of made like a, like almost like a, this third war 
third world kind of battle, even though it takes place nearly 200 years in the future. I guess 200 years in the future, considering when this show came out after Colony 195. And um, it was really, it, they really built up Oz, uh, showing, you know, Lady Un and Trey's. And um, the introduction of the Gundam pilots in terms of the, the, uh, the promo is actually pretty brief. I mean, you see shots of the Gundams, you see shots of Katra and Hiro, but um, it's interesting because that actually kind of reflects how the this, this series begins for a while, because for a while, the Gundam pilots, except for Hiro, the Gundam pilots really aren't focused on Hartley at all. I would say for the first 10 or 12 episodes. Um, but it, the, the promo was a bit of like, you know, Oz is awful, everyone dies, <laughs> the Gundam pilots are going to take them down if they don't die themselves. And um, that kind of is an interesting lead into the first episode and the first several uh, episodes that make up the first arc, I suppose, that take place on Earth, where you have the introduction of the the, uh, Gundam pilots, you have the introduction of Oz, Zex Marquis, Trace Kushranada. Other characters would come up later, like Noin and Lady Un, but um, for the most part, it really was basically Hero and the Gundam pilots versus... Zex and Trey's of Oz, and the way that was presented was a lot more, hmm, I'm trying to think of a better word than unique, um, and a better phrase than anti-establishment. With high expectations, human beings leave Earth to begin a new life in space colonies. However, the United Earth Sphere Alliance gains great military powers and soon seizes control of one colony after another in the name of justice and peace. The year is after Colony 195, Operation Meteor. In a move to counter the Alliance's tyranny, rebel citizens of certain colonies scheme to bring new arsenals to the Earth, disguising them as shooting stars. However, the Alliance headquarters catches on to this operation. But, but why? I'll kill you. Yeah, right. So the series opens up with the narrator describing uh, the status quo in that humanity has begun to reach into the stars and start civilization in these space colonies. Um, but a, uh, a part of the global government called the Earth's Fear Alliance, which includes both the Earth and the Moon, start to possess military power over the colonies, and there's essentially, they essentially oppress the colonies. Um, and their military wing, Oz, is at the heart of all this oppression. Um, feeling butthurt, <laughs> and also assaulted because they're a peaceful... Um, leader Hiro Yui was assassinated 20 years prior. Um, five secret scientists um, hire, uh, train these young pilots to uh, head up these mobile, gigantic robot motor, mobile suits called, you guessed it, Gundams. Uh, shoot them into space all the way back to Earth because they're from the space colonies. And essentially uh, hire them to f*** up Oz and basically bring them down bit by bit. The uh, mission is called Operation Meteor. Um, so we're introduced to the pilot of Wing Gundam and the main character, Hiro Yui, um, named after the assassinated peace ambassador, who uh, we see 
they, they established very strongly in the first episode that he is a very uh, uh, dogged, um, very professional soldier type of kid. Um, to the point where, like, you really start wondering about his sanity. Because uh, there's, there's, like, you know, there's goody two shoes, goody two shoes, there's professional, and then there's crazy. Um, he is found by some Oz soldiers, and there, there's a small dogfight, and heading into the upper atmosphere of Earth, and in destroying some of the soldiers, he just laughs maniacally, in a very, uh, memorable scene. Um, he ends up, and he flies down there with his Gundam, uh, which can turn into a plane. He ends up crash landing and washes up on the shore where a schoolgirl, a daughter of a uh, peace minister named Rilina, uh, sees him wash up on the shore. She tries to wake him up and call for help. He sees her, flips out, um, I think tries to blow himself up but doesn't work, and uh, steals an oncoming ambulance. Um, later, uh, he ends up enrolling at her private school where she uh, is very intrigued by him. She invites him to his, her birthday party. He rips up the invitation and famously says, I'll destroy you. Oh, wait, no, he says I'll kill you because destroy was the go-to edit word for kill on the edited daytime version. Hey, um, that's the main part. We also see the introduction of the other four Gundam pilots. The pilot of the Zero Two Gundam Death Scythe Duo Maxwell, the pilot of Zero Three Gundam Heavy Arms, Choa Barton, the pilot of the Zero Four Gundam Sandrock, Katra Rababa Winner, and the gu- pilot of the Gundam Zero Five uh, Shenlong, Chang Wufei, or Wufeng Chang, I forget which. They are briefly introduced, um, and as I said before, this kind of carries the tone for the first dozen or so episodes. The, the, it's actually fairly episodic in the first few episodes. We see uh, Relina. Uh, continuously, she's really more confused, and you know, and having a, a death threat against her by this new kid, um, who's very antisocial, doesn't really talk to anybody. Um, but she's always like forever entranced by him, and we'll get into Relina in a bit. We uh, we see scenes of the Gundam pilots carry out their missions. Um, we see uh, scenes of, of basically we kind of see their setup. Uh, Katra has a an army to himself called the Magwanat Corps, which consists of Middle Eastern gun, uh, mobile suit pilots. We see uh, Choa Barton uh, take up, and uh, basically, basically he, t- he takes up a base at a camp, a camp, a circus, um, and poses as a circus performer, which is basically like, like his his way of blending in while he can carry out his missions. No one knows what he's doing. Um, Wu Fei just does whatever he wants and just, just destroys whoever he sees. Um, and Duo, we see in episode 2, uh, is given a mission, the same mission that Hero was given. Because these Gundam pilots are kind of shot simultaneously. I think Operation Meteor was an idea that the five scientists had, but I think they were all uh, done individually. They, they were never planned to team up. They were all kind of done coincidentally, which is a bit weird. Um, and throughout this... So here's the thing about the show. Let me, I'm not going to go beat for beat because that would be boring. Let me kind of just give you the gist of the first three episodes. It's very interesting in that we're, with the narration and the flashback or the uh, the uh, exposition, we're given reason as to why Oz, and, Oz needs to be taken down and the colonies need independence from Earth. So we're, we're given that setup. So Oz are the bad guys. Earth's Fear Alliance is the bad guys, presumably. Um... It's really kind of confusing because they're set up, I believe, as a peaceful organization, and and 
exposition and flashback, but throughout the series they are uh, the bad guys, and it's really kind. Of, I mean, I mean, it's realistic in that way, but it's also not very well, not very clearly explained. I don't think um, throughout. So I get kind of confused about the Earth Sphere Alliance. Anyway, so they need to be taken down um, by the Gundam pilots, but the Gundam pilots. The way that the show portrays them, and they are portrayed very briefly through brief scenes and interstitials, we see them destroy, uh, like, Oz bases. We see them kill a hell of a lot of people. Um, and that's kind of the thing. With you know, When you're introducing a character like Hiro Yui, who is insane, by that I mean he has a type of almost brainwashed quality to him. Um, Several times in the first two or three episodes, he's trying to kill himself, or he regrets that he's still alive because he thinks his mission has failed because Relina has seen his face. Um, he's captured at the end of episode two and freed in, in episode three by Duo, and uh, he, he nearly committed suicide. Um, he constantly tries to kill everyone that, that interacts with him for he thinks that they will interfere with his mission. It's really kind of portrayed in this sort of maniacal way, like, kind of, really kind of crazy, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't know, the obviously crazy can be sort of a, a lazy adjective, but Hero strikes me as a character who ultimately, he doesn't seem like a very good guy, <laughs> and, you know, I know that this, this show develops that, um, part of that I think is the point, and that was always a part of the, uh, the appeal of the show. I really liked uh, when I was a kid the fact that he was so ruthless and so seemingly cruel at times. I mean, in episode two, when really just asking what's going on, he nearly murders her, um, just like cold-blooded, and that's really cool. But that's that's never really investigated too much. Uh, most of these characters, their backstories aren't very well defined at all. I would say the biggest, the most you get out of a character is Zex Marquis, who is the uh, the ace uh, fighter for Oz, the Lightning Count, um, who was the the blonde guy in the mask that I'm sure uh, people who have seen any Gundam show will see at one point or another, and it's essentially Hito's rival um, on the opposite side, although he might be a good guy uh, secretly, but um. The thing is, like, you know, okay, let's talk about Zex. Like, Zex is, you know, he's on the enemy's side, but he's shown to be very uh, thoughtful. He's shown to be very shrewd, and compared to, compared to him and Trace, I mean, Trace is cunning, but he's not overtly sinister, I don't think. Well, okay, he kind of is, because he does orchestrate the assassinations of, of uh, political leaders, but Zex is, is very, by the book, in an intelligent way. He's not selfish, he's not overtly angry, and we do learn that he has his, he has his own goals, but, um, my point is that, like, the bad guys are shown, after the introductory exposition flashback, the bad guys are shown to be fairly sympathetic, in that all we see of them are that, are they getting constantly attacked and murdered by the Gundam pilots, and you can, you juxtapose that with Hiro Yui laughing and always trying to kill people and always trying to kill the schoolgirl, Relina, and barely seeing much of the personalities of the other Gundam pilots. I mean, Katra is portrayed as the peaceful, pacifist pilot. But even he's like, you know, I don't know I'm just going to kill you. <laughs> like, he, he is resigned to fight in a war. So, the portrayals of the opposing sides of good and evil are really flipped, I think. And... I would like for that to be meaningful and for that to be purposeful, 
but I'm not sure if it is. I don't know. Like, it was stunning to me how uninvested I was in the gun umpires, because Hero, he just ended up doing the same thing over and over again, threatening Relina, which he never gets around to actually killing her after episode two. Um, at one point, he even saves her life, and he wonders why. And there's that burgeoning relationship between the two of them, which is really, really bizarre, I think. Um, and it kind of, you know, holds the main crux of the show, but it's not, I don't think, sufficiently investigated. Um, there's something about those two, and I know Relina is a character that, like, is kind of the albatross of this show. Um, she's not very popular. I know a lot of people don't like her. I know people that th- did not like her 15 years ago. Personally, I can't stand her. <laughs> I genuinely can't. I don't like her, and I remember not liking her, and I, I, I still... There were three evident truths to um, Gundam Wing that remained true as I was watching it again. That I, that I held uh, 15, 16 years ago. One, Troa is awesome. Uh, two, Dorothy is hilarious. And three, Relina is just completely insufferable. But I think I'll get into that a little bit later on. But it's odd. You have this annoying girl constantly being threatened by this very unlikable... I don't, I don't know if I want to say unlikable but uh, main character, but it's you, you, don't, you don't really get a chance to get into Hero's head. Um... At least not not in the beginning. Maybe a little bit later on, but not as thoroughly as you do the other characters. And this goes on for several episodes. Um, it kind of comes to a head in episode seven, when Hero and the Gun Pilots actually all converge at the same point. Katra and Troa uh, meet uh, earlier in, in a few earlier episodes, and they kind of team up. Duo and Hero are, are working together, although um, somewhat reluctantly. They meet up. Apparently, none of them knew, knew about each other. Uh, they're given false information. A hero a- accidentally assassinates uh, a peace leader, <laughs> um, which was an orchestration by Oz to vilify the Gundams as rebels and get both the colonies and uh, the planet Earth on Oz's side so they can further consolidate their power, which is a really cool twist. I really like that. I think that by that point, the show actually picks up. Um, because up to that point, it was very episodic, and I gotta say, it wasn't very interesting up to that point, I don't think. It was very, very straightforward, and you weren't sure who to root for. You know, you, you know. again, going back to Trey's, um, he planned this, so he's clearly a bad guy, uh, but I don't know, he's so charming that it's hard to dislike him. <laughs> but also, Zex is someone who admires Trace, but also... He's not a very cruel man. Um, he has a school admirer and a schoolgirl crush character, uh, Lucrezia Noin, who I actually quite like. I, I really liked her. Who's voiced by Saffron Henderson and the dub uh, who voiced Gohan in the Ocean Dub of DBZ. A lot of the Ocean Dub voice cast shows him in this. Brian Drummond plays Zex. He was Vegeta. Scott McNeil voices Duo. He was Piccolo. Ted Cole voices Wufei. He was Yamcha. So, um... Chris Abbott, Chris Abbott took all those, all three of those roles. So, it's interesting. By this, by the first quarter of it, it's really hard for me to totally in, engage myself in the show. I mean, I'm interested, I'm watching it, but that's because I've seen it before years ago, and it's, it's really kind of a nostalgia trip more than anything else. It does pick up in episode 10. Well, I should say, it did pick up in episode 7 when Hero accidentally killed a peace leader, 
and you know felt obviously guilty about that we see more of you know he he proclaims that he failed his mission um he feels remorse over it and he wants to make up for it um but he's, he's a very he's so mission oriented that it's hard for to get more of a personality than that uh and this all ends up uh into a major turning point by episode 10 the attacks by the five Gundams sent out by the space colonies reflected their retaliatory intentions. The Gundam's target is Oz, who had masked its identity within the mobile suit troops of the Alliance military. The Gundams had a number of missions to attack Oz. The year is after Colony 195. Oz has finally taken center stage. With an army of elite soldiers at his command, Trey's Kushranata carries out his plans to destroy the Alliance military. The battle between the mobile suits sent to Earth and Oz causes the Earth to shudder violently. It's all up to you now. Go for it, Hugh. He's got a 10% chance of success, but that guy can do it for sure. What a mission. I failed. I totally failed! So in episode 10, we're shown that the Gundam pilots are basically trying to recover their reputation from uh, accidentally murdering uh, peace leader Noventa. Um, the status quo is also the fact that uh, Relina's father, peace officer, peace minister Dorlin, was assassinated by... Lady Un, Trace Kushinada's right-hand woman, who is a <laughs> was an awesome character, uh, and a very weird character as as the show uh, eventually uh, reveals. I'll get into her in a little bit. But um, when Relina's father was assassinated, he actually revealed on his deathbed that she was adopted and actually a princess from the Sank family kingdom, consist which consisted of the Peacecraft family. Her real name is Relina Peacecraft. And unbeknownst to her, her mysterious Racer X older brother is Zex Marquise, a.k.a. Miliardo Peacecraft. What is up with these names? <laughs> I know a lot of these names are, are, are foreign words for numbers. Like, Miliardo is like million, I think. Um, Trace is 13. Noin is 9. Duo, obviously. Uh, anyway. Um, so that happens, and she, uh, she doesn't come across of... Uh, one of the scientists of, of that, that were behind Operation Meteor, in fact, the scientist uh, who sent Hero Wingun to pilot Wingun and sent him on his mission. So she now knows about Hero being a Gundam pilot, and I guess he's even more intrigued by him. Um, at this time, there is a battle, I forget where it takes place, but Hero, Duo, Troa, and Katra are all there. Although they, they, I think they arrive separately. Hero gets in a battle with Zex, who is, who's gotten himself got his hands on the original mobile suit that the gun was actually based on called the tall geese which is a pretty cool it's a very uh soldier looking uh, uh mobile suit more so than the gundams i think i know the gundams are i think generally speaking across, across the gundam franchise are visually based on samurai i believe um but a lot of the mobile suits and robots and gundams in this show are visually you can clearly they're based on like soldiers of maybe the victorian era or the um revolutionary area I'm not sure. It's, it is very Western, uh, which is interesting. Um, so Hero and Zex duke it out, um, uh, ne neither, you know, getting the upper hand over another. Um, Lady Un, who Trey's left in charge over Oz's immediate operations, basically uh, holds, she calls 
to Gundam's attention by holding the colonies hostage, saying that they have enough firepower to wipe out the colonies if they don't surrender. Um, and the Gundams are there to fight for the colonies for their, for their independence, so they're kind of at a stalemate. Um, Hero's uh, scientist instructor, Dr. J, reveals himself mysteriously and admits defeat, but he vows to not give up the Gundam, which is essentially orders for Hero to come out, uh, revealing that, the Gundam, that at least one of the Gundam pilots is a 15-year-old boy. I'll get into that in a bit, because um, he's 15. And in front of everyone, he uh, activates the self-destruct sequence, and Wing Gundam is, is explode, ex explodes, it is destroyed. Hero goes flying like a mile away, <laughs> and dies. Or so you think, because... <laughs> How the hell is he? Yeah, well, people presume he's dead, and he's he's gone for a few episodes. Um, and he really looks like he died in that, and he probably should have died in that. Um, so this is a turning point. The Gundams are completely defeated because as long as the colonies are held hostage or th or potentially threatened, they really can't operate. Um, and this isn't this isn't even like, because this was Lady Un's own uh, idea. And not exactly what Trace had in mind, because Trace is a lot more of a classy guy, and even instructs her to be a bit more civil and chival chivalrous. Um, this kind of sets the stage for the Gundams to start wondering what th their future is, what the point, what the point of them even fighting is. Um, now that you know the consequences are shown to you that, that they could they could really die, um, because a lot of them don't know if Hero is uh, alive or dead, except for Troa, who picked up his seemingly corpse and uh, helped him recuperate. Um, Zex is particularly intrigued by Hiro, uh, and it, I actually quite like this part of the show, because it's a really interesting, uh, scenario where you have these rebellious soldiers, uh, without anything to rebel against, because the people that they are fighting for have now totally joined, basically, uh, given away their allegiance to Oz, or basically sided with Oz, like, the colonies think that Oz is now good, and they're kind of wandering around, they're kind of like, you know, like, like, Samurai wandering for a master, or something like that, um, and it's really interesting. Um, it actually gets worse before it gets better for them. Uh, Katra believes that they should all go out to space and return to the colonies. Uh, he ends up uh, destroying Sanrock with the self-detonation sequence. Um, Duo heads out to space, is captured by Oz's forces in the colonies. He escapes, but it, uh, is eventually uh, forced to see Death Strike. Death Strike. Death Scythe get destroyed by Tra, who actually um, goes incognito as a, an undercover agent for Oz, and is working from uh, from inside. Um, so I really like this bit. I think this is a really interesting um, part of the show. I think that like it actually starts to get somewhere really um, intriguing and uh, unpredictable. Uh, it's also where a lot of the allegiances start to blur a bit because at this point, from this point on, Zex kind of moves away from Oz. He starts to be really want to. Um, there's a lot of talk about the Sank Kingdom, which is uh, his homeland. I uh, think this brought up a bit a little bit later, but uh, there's an attack on the Sank Kingdom by Oz to kind of claim it, and he fights to protect it, and it essentially becomes the en an enemy of Oz and and uh, defects. Um, Noin, who is just who just does does whatever he wants her to do, uh, because she loves him so much, tells Relina that Zex is her brother, and they stage a rematch between Hero and Zex. They actually rebuild Wing Gundam, but Hero uses the heavy arms, which is cool because there's a lot of scenes where like the Gundam pilots switch up Gundams at random points. Um, Hero pilots uh, heavy arms, uh, Choro pilots Wing Gundam. Um, at one point, all five pilot the Wing Zero later on, and I quite like that. 
I think that's, that's that's always a very unexpected plot element. I think that's really really neat because I would just imagine that like you know, like I don't know Power Rangers or Voltron or whatever, these Zords or these Mecha would belong to the pilots one and only, and other pilots would not know how to pilot them. But no, no, in Gundam Wing they do it quite often. Uh, I think it's kind of neat. Um, but this this goes into interesting places. Uh, um, Katra returns to his homeland and meets his father, who disapproves of him being a Gundam pilot, because he's uber-fascist, uh, uber-pacifist, uber-pacifist, and eventually siding with Oz and uh, wanting for uh, military armaments to be made ha- puts his father at a bit of a sticky situation, and he's, he ends up getting killed, um, I forget exactly by who, maybe it's Oz soldiers, maybe it's people from the colonies, and this kind of snaps uh, Katra's mind, so he kind of goes insane in space, Hero goes to Oz um, for purposes of messing them up and is captured by Troa, who is, you know, undercover. Um, and they are essentially made to test out these new mobile suits um, and are they are sicked on by an attacking Katra, who has gone insane and some fucking how found the Wing Zero Gundam. And this really confused me because as a kid, I just assumed that Wing Gundam what uh, was rebuilt into Wing Zero? I completely missed, and I must have had blinders on because they, 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 they actually don't hide this. But Wing Gundam um, and Wing Zero are t- completely separate, and I'm an idiot because I had no idea. <laughs> I thought that Wing Zero was because they look exactly the same, or not. I shouldn't say exactly, but they look very, very similar. Um, but what is never explained is how exactly. I don't know exactly how Katra got his hands on Wing Zero. I really don't. I know that he went to reclaim Sandrock. And one of the scientists who built both, or was responsible for building both, was was there when he went looking for Sandrock. But he finds Wing Zero. He he's insane. He attacks Hero and Troa, and kills Troa, or so you think. Um, uh, and that kind of snaps him out. Um, and he and Hero are on the same side for a while. Um, Lady Un who I should describe as a very insanely ruthless woman. I shouldn't say insanely, but she's an extremely ruthless woman. Very cruel. Uh, you see her murder a guy in the Toonami promo, which is cool. Um, very cold. And just a, kind of a badass. After the whole colony at Hostages hero blows up incident, uh, she was told to be more graceful. And apparently she has a split personality where she becomes a, a much nicer uh, ambassador to earth and the colonies and i didn't get this either when i was a kid i just thought that she was being nice i didn't know that she was legitimately split into two personalities i really did not get that i really didn't um and it's weird because they actually do bring this up in the show like you know trey's flat out says lady on has developed a second personality and <laughs> i guess i just wasn't paying attention that day um it's interesting because as this is the part where the show where the bad guys, i.e. Zex and Trace, really bleed into the protagonist role. And I don't know... It's kind of confusing at what point that starts to happen. Um, Because Zex helps rebuild um, Wing Gundam. Uh, They've captured the five scientists, and invariably they keep on capturing some of the Gundam pilots. Like, Heroes captured, Duo's eventually captured, and 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 then is recaptured. Wu Fei is captured at one point. Um, and, um, you know, they're captured, but, like, uh, some people within Oz, like, uh, Chief Engineer Stuberoff, uh, kind of want to kill them, 
and um, try to kill them, like, you know, cutting off the air in their jail cells. She frees them, and he shoots her. So she's dead. Or so you would think. But kind of going back to like what I was saying, like, you know, uh, this show, showing the antagonist in a protagonist role often is interesting. And I gotta say that, like, for much of the first part uh, that I described up to episode 10, I was finding Zex and Trace to be the more interesting characters. Um, I really like Trace Gushinada. I think he's always shown to be very calm, cool-headed, uh, very just admirable kind of guy. He's, he's very much like, you know, like, like ladies want him, men want to beat him kind of guy. But he's a very effective character. Um, and Zex is just a badass. Uh, it kind of, in fact, it kind of struck me how effective they were in being so likable. Um, so that was interesting. But by this point, they are showing more of the Gundam pilots. We, we spent a lot of time with Hiro and Troa. And once Troa is presumed dead, we see a lot of Hiro and Katra. Hiro and Katra eventually escape captivity, I think. I forget exactly what the sequence of events was. And they head back to Earth and end up at the Sank Kingdom, um, where Relina is. And I'll get into that in a bit. But um, the second part of the show, uh, it's, I don't know, it's, I think that it meanders a little bit in the middle. Like, after Troa, like, honestly, from from the time that they go into space until the time that Troa is nearly killed by Katra, it was a pretty cool show. I think after that, it gets to be a little indulgent and just kind of spends too much time with the characters in ways that aren't exactly engaging. Um, and also, the whole message about, you know, pacifism and peace, triumphing over war, starts to really get hammered in here, which I'll talk about in a minute, but it kind of begins here, and I don't think it ever really was developed to the height of its uh, potential. It's a dead end, pal. Perhaps there was an age where people dreamed of the possibilities in the outer space. With high expectations, human beings leave Earth. To outer space! Every one of us! This is a pretty large-scale operation. Right. But it'll be dangerous. So what? That's never stopped us before. Right. But it'll be dangerous. It'll be dangerous. Commence operation! We'll commence operations in seven minutes. Technique. 
technicians or laborers. All right, take her out. Yeah, 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 that's it. Keep her going. All areas functioning. Looks like we won't have any interference this time. The shuttle will soon enter the atmosphere. Please be sure to fasten your seatbelts and remain seated. We're ready to enter the atmosphere. Next time we go out to space, how about leaving yourself a little bit of free time? Talented people are capable of understanding us. Those who have laid eyes on a Gundam shall not live to tell about it. Gundam now continues. Zero System. The name given to a cockpit system that quickly calculates battle data and feeds the large amounts of statistics on estimated values directly back to the pilot. But this system also drives a pilot to his limits, to the extent that he won't even fear his own death, thus helping him gain absolute victory. The year is after Colony 195. As the world constantly changes in the chaotic era, there are two mobile suits that could turn humans into the ultimate weapon, the Wing Zero and the Epion. The Return of Wu Fei. So at this point, Hiro and Katra are at the Saint Kingdom, going to school, I guess, with Relina, who is now teaching a class in pacifism. Um, and this kind of starts off her, or I should say, really, really accelerates the, the development in her character's, uh, progression. Um, so Relina, as I said before, is kind of the, uh, big con of a lot of, uh, fans of the show. Um, <laughs> the thing about Gundam Wing, though, is that I know it has a big, 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 uh, female fan base, and a lot of that has led to a lot of, uh, um, fan-related yaoi content, because the boys are so cute, uh, I guess, I don't know, <laughs> but, um, I looked up online before I started recording to see exactly why people have a problem with Renina, and I do, I, I, I'm not making up what I say I don't like her, but I wanted to see other people's opinions, um, and I saw varying accounts that I don't know if I necessarily agree with, but I think that, um, just generally speaking, the care, I don't, and I don't, I don't think it's the voice actor's fault, um, but I think the way that the character is presented is very, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's very good. <laughs> I don't want to say inept, but, um, she is a 15-year-old girl who is, you know, kind of rich, and she's given heavy loads of information, and her life is irrevocably, irrevocably altered throughout the course of the series, but I feel as though... I think the show wants you to be on her side and want, wants her to be a much more of a deuterologist and a, and a secondary main character than I think their presentation allows for the viewer to accept. Um, like, when her father dies, or her adopted father dies back in, like, episode 5 or whatever, um, yeah, she's sad and cries, but the animation doesn't really depict it. So I think the animation actually has a lot to do with it because the animation of the show, in the, in the second half, is pretty good, but it is fairly stilted. And her facial expressions kind of remain static for a long period of time. And that is no better manifested than the ending sequence. The, uh, like the show's ending theme, where there's like 90, 90 seconds of animation 
which consists of, and this was never shown in Toonami, but um, the anime has a, the ending sequence consists of Relina and some sort of like like a safari interacting with animals in a very playful way, which kind of go against the nature of the show. Because Gundam Wing is, is a show that is nearly entirely humorless. <laughs> in fact, Duo is really the only character that that gives it any sense of uh, uplifting mirth or lighthearted frivolity. I mean, Katra is not as serious as most of the others, but like aside from him and Duo, every other character in the show is like is just grim-faced and. It's interesting how that didn't. That's, that's not immediately apparent, but that's absolutely true. And I think it kind of adds to the, you know, very lukewarm nature of the show. I think. I think that oftentimes it can be boring, and un- uninteresting, and flat out confusing. There's a lot of politics going on, which leads me to believe that like um, one of the biggest things that took away from the show is that like it's not a show for kids. It really isn't. And, you know, when, when that phrase, not for kids, comes up, you think of, like, adult content, like violence, sexuality, you know, stuff that we, we don't want kids to like. <laughs> um, but, seriously, it's not a show for kids. Like, 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 like the themes going on about politics, war, um, you know, uh, differing, warring countries, military factions. Um, I mean, I, I shouldn't say, like, you know, kids wouldn't like that, but I don't think that, I mean, it gets, and I can't say that because this, this show is so popular. But I personally think now that like this show is presented in a way which kids wouldn't really get, and maybe I shouldn't I shouldn't really rag on that because a lot of great shows that were aimed at kids did that too. But this really watches like a program made for older kids and adults, like teenagers and adults. I actively had to pay attention to figure out what was going on, and I was still confused in some instances because I think that the military aspect and the changing of sides and what what Oz is doing and stuff is not presented in a completely understandable way. It's very, very uh, matter-of-factly that it doesn't lend itself to children's programming. So, um, and I think going along with that, you don't, the characters are somewhat grounded. I mean, uh, Duo isn't a wacky anime character. Like he, he, he's lighthearted, but he's also very serious and he's dedicated to his job. Um, everyone it's very realistic. I mean, you know, yes, there are big robots, but it also takes place in the future. It's a fairly grounded uh, um, uh, series. And I think Relina is a character that, like, who kind of, I guess she kind of matches in that world. But because of her role in the show and what it eventually leads to, I think that, like, she becomes kind of insufferable. <laughs> like, for one thing, why is she equipped to teach a, uh, a uh, class on pacifism well, she just found out that she was the daughter of uh, a uh, pacifist nation, and yes, her adopted father was a peaceful ambassador. But she, in, the, in the in the beginning of the series, we see that she's not very interested in his business. It's kind of resentful of his him always being busy because of that. We're not really given an inclination as to her thoughts on war whatsoever until her father died, and and we still don't see much of her own personal development in understanding that. When she learns that Hero is a Gundam pilot. You know, and she learns that her of her heritage and who her brother is, but we don't see much of her reaction to that besides surprise. And I think the show wants us to fill in the blanks and say, "Well, she would have looked this up on her own, and no one would have filled her in on certain things, and she would have come to her own personal conclusions and, and um, epiphanies." But that sucks, like, like because really out of nowhere, she's been given she's given a lot of power at random spats of time. Um, 
like she basically acts as the as the uh, as the principal of the uh, Saint Kingdom uh, private school, and essentially, and I, I guess because she is a princess of the Saint Kingdom, she does assume the leadership of that of that country. But she's given a lot of authority and autonomy, which doesn't fit right, you know. And just to make it clear, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm, I'm sounding like this, but just to make it clear, this is nothing to say like you know. She's a girl, and girl can't govern things. No, absolutely not, because uh, to contrast that, we see plenty of really well-realized female characters in the show. I, mean, I already mentioned Lady Un. Uh, I like Lucrezia knowing. She's given a lot of... Um, she is kind of thirsty for Zex a bit, but that doesn't really play into the show too much. She's given a lot of autonomy and a lot of um, gravitas in her role as a military leader, no matter what it is, because it constantly keeps changing. Um, Sally Poe is a character that I've not mentioned yet, who... Defected, defected from uh, the Earth's Sphere Alliance um, and goes against Oz. And she's very helpful in um, bringing down Oz and uh, helping out the Gundam pilots. Uh, so I don't want to come across like, you know, why is the girl leading things? That's not it. But like the character Relina is ridiculous. Because all of a sudden she believes to have an understanding of things that she shouldn't and she is revealed to not really have. Um... Like, she's put in a position of power uh, in terms of, you know, leading the Saint Kingdom because of a blood relation. But that, should that really be up to her butler, Pagan? <laughs> like, why are people looking up to her? And, you know, just because she was, like, the princess. I think that it kind of makes the people of, of, the, of that colony and that uh, country out to be kind of dolts. But everyone kind of, like, sees her as this, this gigantic icon of peace and pacifism in a way which I feel, I think, comes across as really hollow and phony. Pacifism, by the way, is uh, a concept that I learned through this show because they mention it ad nauseum. Um, it really is kind of like, like a, uh, a verbal motif for this show and for Rolina's character. Um, in fact, it kind of led me to realize the kind of uh, bad quality of the dialogue because um, there's one point where like an Oz soldier, I think they're about to attack or plan to attack the Saint Kingdom, and a guy literally says, this will show those idiots the, futi- the futility of pacifism. <laughs> it's like, no one talks like that. No one talks like that, man. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. But um, yeah, the dialogue is in the show, and I don't. It's it's not a dub thing. I really don't think so. I have I have seen some of the Japanese version. Um, the Japanese dialogue that I saw, the subtitles were the same dialogue that in the um, in the Bandai dub, and I have to imagine that's not true. Um. But uh, I think the only thing that you can say about the dub in terms of like translation, because it's actually it's, it's, it comes off as extremely accurate, is that there are some things there are some times where like the characters use this phrase or terms like Ghana or you guys, in ways which which don't say that they would fit that character, uh, like the Gundam pilots or Zex or Relina. But um, oftentimes they all speak very straight in, in, towards their personalities that's animated on the program. So I think the dub is good and the translation is good, uh, in my opinion. But the actual writing of, of the anime script comes off as very, very um, labored and unrealistic. Um, and then we get into Dorothy, <laughs> who uh, I love because she's ridiculous. She is a hilarious character. Uh, she's the girl with the bright blonde hair and pale skin with the freaky-deaky eyebrows, which puts Kinmasters kin to shame. Um, I always found her to be really funny because I think, and I think she is actively meant to be like kind of the inverse opposite, like the bizarro version of Relina. 
because she is in love with the concept of war and finds war beautiful and people fighting for their lives to be one of the most truest uh, examples of humanity out there. And she really romanticizes war. I think she's, I think she's a perfectly interesting character. I like her character genuinely, but like I find her funny in, a, in, a, in an ironic way, which I don't know if the show is meant to do. Maybe it is. There's just some shots of her which, which are just completely obnoxious. And you kind of want to smack her. <laughs> but at the same time, I think she's really kind of like cool in how she kind of gets away with stuff. I have a problem with it in the last part of the show, but like for now, I think it's kind of um, amusing. Um, let's see. So, by this point, um, the Gundam pilots are really kind of spread out and trying to find purpose. I think uh, um, Showa has lost his memory because in space, when Katra was using the Wing Zero, the Wing Zero Gundam is the first Gundam that has the Zero system in its um, programming. And that's a system which, if the narrator didn't explain well enough, I'll probably not do as well either. But um, basically, shows the pilot exactly where the enemy is and what it's going to do. It's kind of like a, a mechanical telepathy, but it also has a psychological effect on it, which has the pilot kind of, you know, become a kind of kind of like a uh, existential nihilist and in the heat of combat, and shows them their future in ways which I don't think makes actual sense. But um, this happens to, to Katra. He ended up uh, firing on Hero. Choa's mobile suit took the blast and was, and was destroyed. Choa was shot in space, so he thought he died. But I guess he, he eventually landed on a, on a colony that um, his circus was at. Ran into his old buddy, uh, Catherine. And he lost his memories. And Catherine, so Catherine says, well, you're my brother. Which is, you know, immoral, but whatever. Meanwhile, our old buddy Trace has been ousted by the Romafeller Foundation. Which I don't think I've mentioned, which is this aristocratic uh, uh, federation in on Earth, essentially. I think they're they're type of they're a type of government that he was. It's kind of aristocratic government, which um, is connected to Oz in some way. Um, anyway, he uh, voiced his concerns over the use of mobile dolls, which were these mobile suits that um, were basically they're essentially like drones. Uh, you know, unmanned mobile suits that were kind of, you know, commanded or, you know, programmed to fight in wars. And he was, Trace is a person who feels that, like, you know, war should be carried out with chivalry and honor, and that can only be done by man. And he voiced his opposition towards the mobile dolls. And he was essentially kind of, like, talked out, out, out into exile. Um, it's kind of confusing here because there are a lot of organizations on, in Gundam Wing. The Romafeller Foundation, Oz, Earth's Fear Alliance, um, the Colonies, the Trace Faction, the White Fang, although that's a little bit later. Uh, in fact, this, this actually leads into the Trace Faction, where there are people who are loyal to Trace within Oz that uh, split off into their own group and go against uh, Oz. But, um, so he's basically been out of the game for a while, and Oz and the Romafeller Foundation get to the point where they're, they're trying to completely take over um, the planet Earth and uh, and the colonies. So Dorothy, who is the granddaughter of the leader of the Romafella Foundation, Duke Dermale, talks Relina into becoming the head and the head uh, the center symbol of the Romafella Foundation because if she, a symbol for peace, sides with them, then Oz will have no problem capturing the hearts of everyone on uh, on the planet Earth and the colonies in a very political move. So she's kind of talked into doing that and brings down the sink. And she kind of, you know... This is another thing I don't like. She she 
she disconnects all nations on the planet. Like she says, you are no longer nations. There are no nations or borders whatsoever. Who the hell gave her the power to do that? She's a 15-year-old girl. Ow! <laughs> I don't like that. That, that, that... That's, I, I don't like that either. Yeah, that, that just puts too much... It puts too much... It just puts too much power on a character that, like, you know, several episodes ago was going to school and going to parties and stuff. It's really bad. Uh, speaking of the ages, um, so she's 15, Hero Duo, and Wu Fei are meant to be 15. This is never said in the show, but it's, I think it's in the official uh, official content. I believe Katra is 14 and Tro is 17, which I have no problem with. What I do have a problem with is that, like, that actually, because cause the Gundam pilots are all, you know, they're trained, they're child soldiers. They actually have uh, intricate backstories, which are uh, depicted in the manga titled Episode Zero, which was meant to be in the anime series, but due to production troubles and uh, deadlines, it never actually got animated. But but the uh, Episode Zero manga are their actual backstories, so you can learn more about them there. But I, I have no problem with them being as young as they are and being as, as efficient as they are. But, I mean, apparently Zex is 19 years old, so is Noine, uh, and so is Lady Un, and Trace is 24? Absolutely not! <laughs> if you look at these characters, they're all clearly in their mid to late 20s, if not 30s. I mean, I, 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 I would have I thought that Zex and Lucretia and Noine were 24, and maybe Zex and Lady Un were like in their early to mid 30s, but I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, you know, like with movie adaptations or television adaptations or DC Comics retcons, like just making characters younger for the hell of it just kind of is a kind of a gets at my skin. But I um, mean, you know, I guess they were always this young, so fooey on me. Anyway, um, Katra and Noin go into space to find the other Gundam pilots at this point. Hero stays behind um, to defend the Saint Kingdom, which eventually falls. Zex, who has left Oz, and has come out publicly as Miliardo Peacecraft, goes back to being Zex Marquis, puts the mask back on. Um, uh, the, his tall geese mobile suit is destroyed, and he ends up becoming the pilot of Wing Zero, and also shows him his future. Um, with that, he heads back to Earth to, to help defend the Saint Kingdom. Uh, Hero uh, meets Trey's, and they talk about philosophy for a bit before Trey's gives him the Epion Gundam, which was built with the Zero system in it as well. Um, Tr- uh, Zex arrives too late to see the Saint- to save the Saint Kingdom. It falls. He and Hero battle, both driven insane by the Zero system, and eventually switch Gundams, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, and Lena is now the uh, face of the Romerfeller Foundation, but because she's calling for peace at the and the end of all arms. Uh, this, this actually backfires on Duke Dermale and the rest of Romerfeller, and that the entire world and all the colonies all believe in her and want to achieve total peace. Now, this is the thing where like the uh, concept of peace in the show gets its sharpest focus or comes to the focus at its sharpest, but it also kind of really uh, kind of blurries and convolutes things a bit because, again, this is kind of a 15-year-old who really should not be having the capabilities uh, to dictate politically. Uh, you know, the future of the colonies or the planet in the way that she is. The way I can, I can kind of compare it is that, think about, if you ever see The Simpsons and Bart and Lisa routinely foil uh, Sideshow Bob's plans in the ways which, and the, the uh, creators, on the, in the commentary, the creators, the writers in the commentaries talk about this, 
They really should have no actual realistic ability to do, like figure out what Bob's doing. Um, they only do it for the sake of the plot and the fact that it's a cartoon. But Bob is Sideshow Bob's supposed to be a criminal mastermind, a criminal genius, and yet an eight-year-old and a ten-year-old kind of you know foil his plans like that. You know, it works for the show, but realistically uh, manifested, that's that that is impossible. It's kind of like this with Gundam Wing because Gundam Wing is done to be very very like by the book in terms of like, well, if a character was in this situation, they would you know feel this go against you know this consequence. Um, there are a lot of times where characters should die. But they just don't because of plot armor. But seriously, I don't believe in the fact that Relina has should be given the power to do this. Like it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I guess it's like anime logic, I suppose. But it really kind of claws at the nature of, you know, logic and reason. <laughs> um, and she's made to be the queen of Romafeller, so she's you know walking around like Princess Diana, and it just feels really, really. Uh, I don't know. I don't like it. I really don't like it. I, I, I feel it just feels like really shoddy writing, to be honest. It just doesn't feel like it's being written well at all. So, yeah, sucks. Um, where are we at this point? Trey's Kushranada assumes the position as the world nation sovereign, and once again accumulates all military armaments on land. In space, the White Fang completes its gigantic space battleship Libra with his desire to eliminate Earth. Commander Miliardo Peacecraft proceeds with his plans to enter into a fully-fledged war with the entire forces of the world nation led by Trey's. The Gundam pilots continue to fight, not siding with anyone. And right before them, the largest battle yet to be experienced by humanity is about to begin. can't let the data that she brought us be put to waste. No. Hiro. Hmm? Relina Peacecraft's on Libra. She is? Yeah. Yildi said she met her there. Relina. Hiro. Another one of the problems I think the series has is that um, the concept of peace versus war um, is really hammered home in the second half with the you know development of political power that Rina is given, with the changing of uh, forces between Miliardo, Zex, Oz, Trey's, and all the other characters um, of higher. The basically everyone that's not a Gundam pilot, and you know uh, civilian characters like Catherine. You know, their whole explanation of how war is awful. A lot of that, I think, you know, basically the expressions of the show are done kind of... I don't think that they're done effectively. Like, the military aspect of the show is pretty straightforward and pretty strong. So I would like the fact that um, it's yearnings for peace if the show is what it was is trying to purport. You know, besides, you know, making money and selling toys. Um, I would like for that to be just a bit better, and I think a lot of Robotech, when I can kind of compare, you know, what other show you know, it's involves space military combat and desiring for peace, and that show, if you've not heard the Shipper Spotlight Special 2012 over in the background of Oracle with Stella, um, that's the, the point of that show, 
you know, the, or you know, I should say, Robotech slash Superdimensional Fortress Macross. It's essentially the love triangle between uh, Hikaru, Misa, and Lin Min Mei. I mean, uh, Rick Hunter, Lisa Hayes, and Lin Min Mei. Uh, the love triangle between the, t- the three of them kind of make up the crux of the show. But because of the situation, the concept of, you know, peace over war is actually... Uh, it's, I want to say it's an underlying theme, but it's a theme that's actually uh, expressed better with it not being the central, central point. It's still made stronger. You have the Zentradi, who are a warlike alien race, interact with you know the peace-loving humans, and that interaction actually helps demonstrate the futility of war and the preference of peace and love over it. You know, like the um, and the fact that like Rick is a soldier and Minmei is an entertainer who often entertains the troops. There's interesting um, juxtapositions of character backgrounds there and uh, character interactions. So I think that's that in terms of, in terms of that kind of plot, it's better demonstrated on Macross Robotech than Gundam Wing does it. And as I say I've not seen many other Gundam uh, shows. I saw very little of Mobile Suit Gundam when it did air. Um, I remember really liking uh, Gundam 0083, although I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> and um, I meant to watch G Gundam because it, was, it looked like the silliest of all of them, but I never got around to it. So I don't want to. I don't want this to be a damning of the Gundam franchise in terms of plot, but Gundam Wing specifically, I think. Uh, I think it it really just come, comes down to well, it doesn't all come down to Relina's character. Who isn't the worst character? It's just like I think that the way the plot uses her is dumb. But also, um, this is the point in the show at the end, in the, in the last part of the show, where the, the fight, the fight for peace, really becomes dumb and broad and bullheaded. Um, Zex becomes disillusioned uh, and completely wants to just annihilate the Earth and have the colonies maintain true independence and rule space. And this threw me for a loop because up to this point he was such a calm and considered and reasonable man and I thought he lost his freaking mind at this point uh, so I was really um, taken aback by this and I, I was like is this a zero system messing with his head is or is he really really that far gone and I guess I think at the end like he, he thought that this that the starting the war to end all wars declaring war on earth would show people that war is you know futile and the war to end all wars really would end war. But that's idiotic. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, it's kind of the Ozymandias, Ozymandias, Ozymandias uh, uh, approach to things that, you know, if you destroy everything, everyone will come to peace. But that's stupid. I mean, like, that's, that's made, that's evident in the text in Watchmen. So it's a really, it's a surprisingly dumb thing for this kind of character to do. Um, and for everyone to kind of buy into it. Uh, this is the point where the the uh, rebel group White Fang comes in, uh, who kind of come out of nowhere, but they kind of they, they are essentially uh, basically think the new Black Panthers. And for those of you who need to be educated, like the the Black Panthers were the um, the Black Defense uh, uh, group in the 60s and 70s who protected people from uh, police brutality, who made sure that. Um, uh, children would would be well educated and, and, and fed and taken care of in, in lower end communities, and who are currently being demonized by people who don't know any better uh, in today's media. Oh no, politics! Um, but the new Black Panthers are actually 
um, a splinter uh, section of that group who don't represent the whole uh, ideology of Huey P. Newton because they are a lot more violent and they're a lot more recent. Like they're, when I say relatively recent, I believe they came about in the 80s and 90s, I think. I'm not exactly sure on that, but I think that um, they misrepresent the group and I guess that the White Fang uh, do the same here. They, they represent the colonies, but they don't because they're a lot more militarily organized. They're a lot more... Um, they're, they're, they're essentially terrorists, to be honest. Um, threatening the Earth and declaring war on it um, for no real reason. Um, I, I say for no real reason, but like, uh, I don't know, by this point, the Earth's, Earth Sphere Alliance is kind of gone, thanks to Relina. so it feels like a really drastic move that's done from a really sore place of butthurt by, by uh, Zex. Um, I could not get over how, how radically different Zex was by the end of the show. In fact, I forgot how much of a main antagonist he, he was. I honestly thought that like he was a rival to Hiro in the first half of the show, and then he kind of did his own thing. That's how I remembered it. So, like, in the last episode when he and Hiro were fighting, I'm like, wow, I, f I forgot that he was in the show this much. <laughs> um, I, I, I liked his character for much of it, but I, I don't really like him in, at the end of the show because it, he feels just stupid in what he's doing. It feels really emotional and really just... just I don't want to say out of character, but... It, I, I want to say out of character, but I don't think that's appropriate for me to say, but it, it does feel out of character. And it just doesn't... It also kind of just makes the whole point of fighting for peace to be a really... It, it, in the way that it's in the way that the argument is carried out in the show, it kind of comes off as just really dumb. Um, so by this point, um, everyone's it, we're going to go back to space, and Trey's leads a faction of every military organization on Earth to attack uh, Milliardo, who uh, who him and the White Fang have taken place in this military uh, machine up in space called Libra, and Libra actually attacked the Earth. They actually shot a, a fire. They actually fired a shot down on the planet Earth, declaring war. So it's Earth versus uh, uh, um, Earth versus the White Fang, which represents the colonies. And uh, as the narrator said, the Gundam pilots uh, have not taken a side. And by episode 40 or 41, they finally converge in space and team up. And I remember thinking as a kid that, you know, there are five Gundam pilots. All, the Gundams are all very unique. The pilots are all very different people. I thought, well, for sure, you know, suddenly they're gonna, you know, team up and become a team. Like in, like in episode five, Gundams confirmed, or um, or whatever. Uh, I thought that okay, this is when the Gundams start to team up. But in all forty-nine episodes, forty-nine episodes, they don't become a team until like the last four or five episodes. <laughs> Which on one hand's kind of a bummer because like when they do, I really, really like the show and I really, really like them. But uh, at the same time, I actually quite like the fact that um, they are. More so than split apart, I like the fact that the, I like the, that we got a lot of different interactions. Like we saw Hero interact with Duo early on, and then with Troa for a while, and then for a very, very long time interact with Katra. I, I had forgotten, but I then remembered how much he and Katra spent time together um, for a long time. Um, Troa and Katra early on team up and it developed a friendship. Um, and Wu Fei is really on his own for the majority of the show until the very end. Um, Wu Fei is by, by far like my least favorite Gundam pilot. He's kind of an asshole. Uh, um, I, he's not very likable. He has his own sense of justice. His backstory is interesting um, in that uh, he calls his Gundam Nutaku, which is named after um, his late wife. He was his his Chinese clan was married people at age fourteen. Um, this is the future, so I'm not saying this is this takes place in the present, but uh, 
um, she was the original pilot of Shenlong, and she passed away, and so he named, he, he pilots her in her memory, and uh, Nataku means strength, and that's what he called her. But besides that, he, he sucks. Uh, like he is very self-minded, and um, in that he who, he, who he deems an enemy, you know, he's, I must protect the weak, who I hate, and, you know, I, I, can, I can't stand fighting the weak, who I hate still, and, you know, he's, he's a sexist, which, you know, engenders him to me greatly, obviously, but, um, which I know, that, that's, that's meant for him to be that way, I mean, that's not an accident, but I just don't like the character that they put on the screen, um, my favorite is Troa, because I think Troa is basically a hero with a soul, if I've not said that before, he, um, I know, he's a lot more thoughtful, he's a lot more interesting, He's pretty shrewd. He's actually—I think he's probably the most intelligent Gundam pilot because he—I um, think his plans to, in, uh, you know, infiltrate Oz were pretty slick, and he doesn't rely on his Gundam to get things done in order for Operation Meteor. And I—I—I—I I, I, I really—I really liked him the most out of out of all the pilots. Although my brother's favorite was always Duo, and I do like Duo because he is, you know, the one source of life in this bleak show. <laughs> and Katra's good too because Katra is he actually develops quite well throughout the show you know I think people would say oh he's the namby pamby pacifist character but he's really kind of put through the emotional rinker he sees his father die um, he loses his mind at one point um, he hangs out with Noin and sees you know tries to protect the Saint Kingdom so I think that he was developed really well and he is one of the better characters in the show he really really is um, it's somewhat of a surprising way. I, I, you would not have thought so when you first see him, but uh, he's he's a very good character. Um, at this point in the show, Hero is really—I mean—he is kind of stopped trying to kill Rinalina, except for one time when she dissolved all the nations and tried to promote peace. He's like, you know, he's, this is a fake peace, and I must kill you. So he goes up to assassinate her, and then he doesn't because people applaud her at, at a uh, at a speech. Um, I really think that like, like, he's the one character that I feel was like you know kind of lazily depicted. I feel that like the production team had an idea for who Hero was, but there was so much style over substance with the character of making him look cool and ruthless and cold that the investigation as to who he was was really half-assed. Doctor J says, "Oh, he's really a kind-hearted boy," who f and Hero says he fights with his emotions, and sometimes you know sometimes he does, but like it's so far and few in between that it honestly frustrates the crap out of me how stoic and I should say static he is and he's kind of he's I won't say he's one dimensional because he's not but the different sides of his personality when they come out they feel very unearned um in the second to last episode he has a very uh emotional parting with with Relina where he smiles and says he's fighting for her but um I don't know I I I, I the, the amount of emotion that he displays in that scene it feels really really um overt and kind of almost kind of compensating for the lack of emotion throughout the series. Um, so, by this point, it's basically uh, everyone versus Zex, because Zex has gone crazy. Dorothy somehow found her ass up in space and went towards the, uh, the Libra, uh, the White Fang headquarters, and talks her way into becoming his right-hand woman, in a way which I completely don't buy. What is it with this show and putting characters uh, where, they, where they logically can't, should not be, should not be? Um... I don't know. Like, she was a spy for Romafeller. I get that, but she doesn't. She, I don't think she actually declares that, and it doesn't matter anymore because Romafeller is gone by this point. And she basically says, "I believe in war, and I believe that you will lead the colonies." And he's like, "You have a point. Come right next to me." And he gives her massive military power, 
and people are like, you know, Miss Dorothy, what should we do? What the hell? <laughs> oh, God. I, I mean, I like the character, but that was dumb. That was really stupid. Um, and it, it, it feels like, um, at this point, the show is just kind of going for beats, which don't really make, uh, make sense. Um, at one point, she leads the mobile, she's commanding the mobile dolls mentally to attack in, in a fight with the Gundams. And Katra is leading the Gundams to the battle. And he's trying to figure out who was... Both, the opposite sides are trying to figure out uh, who was leading the other group. So it's a game of cat and also cat. And they're trying to figure out the motives of the opposing side. And, you know, eventually, at the, the exact same time, no less, they're like, only one person could be controlling the Gundam slash the mobile dolls. Katra Baba winner, Dorothy Catalonia. And I'm like, how the hell <laughs> did you figure that out? Like, with, with Dorothy, it kind of makes sense that she would figure out it would be Katra, I guess, because she's at least, she's aware of who all the Gundam pilots are. Um, and I believe she met him on this in the Saint Kingdom, although I don't specifically remember him meeting her. I know that she met Hiro. But Katra, how does he have any idea that she's in outer space, let alone on Libra commanding the mobile dolls? Like, how would... Th that makes no sense. That makes no sense. Absolutely none. Ah. <laughs> so that bothered me. And it's just more of what... This, it's like one of the biggest problems with the show, that they just keep on pushing characters that are not going to pilots into places where they don't need to be. Relina. Um, so... Eh, that kind of stank. Um, so the series uh, comes to a head when it's basically everybody versus Zex. Like I said, he is piloting the Epion. He ends up fighting uh, Hiro. They've, they've really enjoyed the fact that they are rivals, I guess. Um, Trace goes up against Wufei. They actually had a duel earlier in the series, like a, a, uh, a sword fight, where Wufei was easily defeated, so they won't have a rematch via... Wufei's Shenlong, now upgraded to the Ultron Gundam, uh, and Trey's Tolgis 3, and Wufei says, oh, you're, you know, you're a coward, and you're heartless, and how many people have died in your name? And at that point, Trey's lists, like, you know, I know every single person who's died off the top of my head, don't you know? And, um, asks for, like, the death toll of, of the soldiers from Lady Un, who I should say is still alive, because she was shot halfway through the series, and gone for, like, t like seemingly 20 episodes. Um, and then randomly comes back. She actually wakes, awakes from a coma, uh, launches into Wing Gundam, flies all the way to space, and pushes uh, Trey's out of the way of a, of a main cannon shot, all in the span of like 10 seconds. <laughs> Which makes no sense, but whatever. Anyway, um, there's a scene where Lady Un tells Trey's of the, like a thousand people, no, I'm sorry, I think a hundred people had died in his name to the, that day, and Trey's demonstrates how the, the, the toll of war really you know, wears him down, and, you know, he feels horrible for every person that he's sacrificed in his war. He actually names the people that he that he orchestrated their murders, in terms of, like, Relina's foster father, and Noventa, and General Septim, who, is, who has a ridiculous dub voice. Um, which, kind of, I suppose, is the show's repositioning of Trey's as a deeply moral figure, a man of his own scruples, but, and I always like, I always liked Trace, but that always felt really phony to me. Because he was never a mustache twirling villain, but he never seemed to show any regret or remorse whatsoever when his plans were carried out and people ended up dying whatsoever. And at this point, when he's called on it, he's like, "Oh, actually, I do." That that felt cheap and phony to me. So that he he kind of does a uh, kamikaze and ends up getting killed by Wu Fei, 
He goes out like a boss. Um, I don't know. That, <laughs> that, that, that felt weird, too. Why did he do that? <laughs> uh, okay, whatever. Um, so, Hero and Zex battle. Uh, Hero wins the battle, and at one point, the Gundam's uh, ship, Peace Million, crashes into the White Fang's ship, the uh, Libra, and they're both hurling towards Earth. And if they hit the Earth, it'll cause, you know, a, uh, a uh, seasonal holocaust. So they must destroy the ship from within. And the last episode essentially comes down to a, a piece breaking off. Hero ends up in the Earth's atmosphere and is trying to lock on to the piece. Otherwise, it'll destroy the planet. He does. He blows up with his Buster Cannon from the Wing Zero. Saves the day. And the series ends. The show is over. Um, we see... Uh, Relina, go back to her name of Relina Dorlin, and becomes a, uh, a um, peace minister, or something like that, something that her, father, her, her foster father did, and Hero leaves her a teddy bear in her plane, and that's it. Now, obviously, this story actually concludes in Endless Waltz, which I've not rewatched up to this point, but um, I was really eager to get my thoughts out once the uh, show was over for me in terms of the episodes. Um, so, <laughs> Final thoughts, then. Certain conditions must be met for total peace. First, all weapons must be eliminated. And second, the desire to fight must be erased from people's minds. Libra plunging to Earth. It's the only way to achieve total pacifism. People who have lost Earth will hate you and the colonies will rely on you. The same mistakes will be repeated as long as you live. Same as Trey's claiming to fight for justice to protect the weak. But in fact, you're actually not helping to protect the weak at all. It's the stronger who create the weaker. It was the strong Earth that created the weak colonies and almost drove them to destruction. nervous about when they might be next attacked. They can't trust anybody and they never have an opinion of their own. I can't stand such people. Strong people make them that way. Sex, nobody is strong. All of humanity is weak. And that includes us as well. Alright, so what did I truly think at the very end of Gundam Wing? Um, well, despite all the crap I've given it in the last hour and 20 minutes or so, um, it was a very interesting series to rewatch. Uh, but a lot of that is probably due to the fact that I watched it when I was so young, and I was watching it you know, with the appropriate adult eyes this time around. Um, 
the series really isn't as good as I remember. Or no, that's not. I should I should say that differently. It's not as good as I thought it was when I was a kid because if you look at it from the way it tries to present its story and that the way um, it just generally is, I think that like it's not a horrible series, it's not a bad series, but there are definite like like serious writing flaws that I think prevent it from being a really classic show. Um, well, you know, classic in the in the sense of you know I should say literary, I suppose, because I don't want to say well. You know, it wasn't as smart as me, so it's bad. I don't want to necessarily say that, but I think that in the way it presents itself, what it was going for, it clearly had holes in its logic. And I do know that there were some production issues wrapping up the series, so that might have something to do with it, but I don't know. Hero's general characterization, I think, I think and I do like the character, ultimately, but he really felt like kind of like, I don't know, a gimmick of, he felt like a very kind of shallow character to me in terms of how he, he was written um you know he would he, he would have you know moments of he had good days and bad days uh where he would be willing to carry out whatever mission is necessary but he would never actually talk about it i don't know it's just something about that really is i find really unappealing um and the whole war angle i felt was it honestly felt like they're kind of chasing better stories, like Macross, uh, presumably like, like some of the other Gundam series beforehand. Um, so, so some of some of the, the war rhetoric felt really half-hearted and really, um, really plastic, you know, immaterial to me. So, but I mean, I don't know. It was it was fun to watch. <laughs> uh, the fight scenes are okay. The final fight between Wing Zero and Epion is actually pretty good. Um, I'm actually looking at Endless Waltz to see, because I know that the animation is terrific in that, um, and the designs are crazy, like, uh, Wing Zero Custom, and Heavy Arms Custom, and Death Scythe Hell Custom. Why do they name that Death Scythe Hell? I don't know. Um, it's, it's a fun show to, to look at, I think, and I think that, like, it's one of those shows that definitely hits you at a certain point in time. It means a lot more. Like, Dragon Ball Z did for me. Like, if I watched Dragon Ball Z now for Fresh Eyes, well, you mean, I don't know. Every person's different. I will say that Dragon Ball Z uh, is definitely better than I thought it was in doing the podcast. Like the actual writing was actually sharper at its best than I really realized. And yeah, the, I've, I've talked about the books like ad nauseum, but I, but that was that was never like new to me. You know, once you realize the shortcomings of DBZ, it does make you realize when it's really good because the shortcomings ultimately ebb and flow between you know severity. Um. But Gundam Wing, I think, is... It's an intriguing show. The personalities are intriguing. Um, it's a not... It's, it's not... It's, it's a very uh, imperfect show. But... I think that... Hmm, it, it... There is something to it. I, I don't know exactly what it is. I can't really say what it is. But there's definitely something to this show which does have an indefinable quality that makes it worth watching, I think. I mean, aside from nostalgia purposes, am I glad I watched the show? Yeah, because it, it was it was fun to watch. There were definitely times where I was really really into it, and I was like, you know, this is pretty cool, and it would be fairly unpredictable. And I think that the characterization, for the most part, taking Hero and Zex out of it, is pretty strong. Um, no, I don't really like Relina, but that's really on the on the writer's side. The character herself, I don't hate. Um, it's just an instance where, like, you know, I think that like 
think they could have done better with that. There's there are a lot of ideas in the series that I think are presented that um, don't fully form in, in the finished product ultimately. So it feels it, it almost feels like if the show had more time or all the time and money in the world, it would be a lot awesome than what 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 ended up happening. But um, you know, um, who am I to say uh, any different than Gundam experts? And I'm not a Gundam expert by any means. I'm, I'm, there's probably a Gundam podcast out there that uh, has better things to say. Although I know that Gundam, Gundam Wing is actually a fairly um, disliked series in the Gundam fandom, and I don't know if that's for the quality or or for the first perception because it was so popular, and that a lot of that popularity was maintained by either Toonami fans or um, female friends who who like the show for the for the leads. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I'm not condemning that as for the fandom whatsoever. But I'm aware that like you know that the other subsections of certain fandoms dislike that that section of fandom. Which doesn't really mean much to me. Um that's just saying about its history and reputation. But um I hope that you'd enjoy this. I'm sorry this is not a very good episode I don't think of anything because next dimension is over. Or is it? Uh it's, it's kind of a spur of a moment kind of thing. I really can't speak off the top of my head by myself. I need somebody else to bounce off of. I need Jesse. Jesse, where are you, Jesse? You're always my little monkey wrench. One thing I didn't talk about was the music, which is actually one of my favorite parts of the series. Um, I'm kind of ignorant in that way. I apologize. Um, the intro themes done by the group 2 mix are awesome. Uh, I use at the beginning uh, Rhythm Emotion, which I like better than Just Communication, although I'll play at the end. Uh, Just Communication to Tanami fans was, was done as an instrumental outro for the show, but it's the uh, original, long-running opening theme to the show. And these songs are, this is very, very anime, very, very Japanese. These songs are like pop songs. They have nothing really to do with the show whatsoever. The lyrics for, for uh, Just Communication as the intro is wrapping up are like, I want to show you my passionate, undying feelings with my whole body tonight! It has nothing to do with Wing Gundam and Talkies fighting, but whatever, it's awesome. Um, but the music generally, I, I really, really love the music. I've always loved this soundtrack. Um, I love the flashback narration background music. Um, that theme was just, just, oh my god. I remember when I rediscovered that in college, I forgot about it. It was just glorious. Um, there's some sweet, uh, jazz themes every now and then. Um, that are just really nice. So, one of the best things that this, that this series ever produced is absolutely the music. That I would definitely recommend, um... And also, like, uh, you probably heard in the middle, probably, I know you did, you heard in the middle of the episode, uh, the, uh, Toonami bumper that had kind of Space as a Place, uh, music video, which mainly consists of Gundam Wing clips. That was, this, I hope it was cool to listen to. You should check that on YouTube. That was really, really awesome in and of itself. Um, Toonami was brilliant. I don't, I don't give a damn that it wasn't Japanese. <laughs> it, it really, it is indefinable in how wonderful it was towards people of a certain age and, and, and showing them, you know, igniting their imaginations and showing them uh, several anime series and exposing them to uh, anime culture. So, uh, I, I really owe, you know, Toonami for this awful episode of The Next Dimension. <laughs> but no, I think that was, it was awesome. And I think that Toonami honestly make this show be- come appear better than it was. Although I'm not trying to say it's a bad show, it's just, it's just a flawed show. Heavily flawed. But, um, yes, so, wrapping up, I'm sure you guys are curious if Jesse and I are coming back anytime soon, and there has definitely been discussion on that, um, 
don't hold your breath. We're not coming back anytime soon, but we've definitely been talking. Uh, if you, those who don't know that uh, Jesse and his wife, and his wife pregnant, Jesse and his wife April are expecting a child, so they will definitely be busy. Um, I'm not, as far as I'm aware. Uh, but I, I, I do have a couple of things up in the pipeline. Hopefully you guys are catching comic book film review. Uh, and if you're not, please do at CBF Review, review spelled R-E-V-U-E, dot lips and com. We're also on iTunes. Uh, check out the official Dragon Ball Z Next Dimension Facebook group. Um, we have a lot of fun on there. We actually kind of keep up with Dragon Ball Super and stuff, thanks to folks like Danny. Um, check out Geekdom 101 on YouTube for Danny's uh, YouTube page that goes over uh, Star Wars, Marvel, and mainly Dragon Ball. Um, and, um, yeah, keep an eye out. Keep, uh, keep an eye out on this space. You never know how soon we're going to be coming back. And I'm definitely going to alert the audience of things that I have, because I'm definitely coming up with some very interesting new projects, which I hope people will enjoy. But until then, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam and Mobile Suit Gundam Wing are owned by Sunrise and Mad Men Entertainment. Uh, Gundam Wing was directed by Masashi Akira and uh, Shinji Takamatsu and was written by Katsuyuki Sumizawa. Um, the dub was by Bandai, which is now uh, defunct, I believe. And um, you can find it on the internet because it's 2016. But until next time, you guys, uh, take care, enjoy, and uh, try some new anime out there. Even some ones that you've not seen for a very long time. Thank mm-hmm. you.